Welcome to the Didi and Latal Show. Advice, thoughts, and stories from a married couple on cybersecurity, technology, and life in general. Now here are your hosts, Didi and Latal. Hello and welcome to the Didi and Lital show. It's another week. I'm back from a conference. Didi is back from a couple of conferences. You were in Vegas for two weeks. Yes. Lucky you. Yay, Vegas. I think I'm probably the only person that doesn't like Vegas. I hate Vegas even more than you, so that's fine. Yes. But I was in DC and in Gartner Summit and it was amazing. I loved it. I, I, I love National Hairball. It's a beautiful place. Had good time. I had a good there time. There is this smoke coming from the, the fires in Canada that didn't ruin my morning run. I had a wonderful run over there. So I, I, I'm happy. It was a good week. What about you? I am awesome. As usual? As usual. You awesome. went to see a game? I went to see... No, well, I saw it in a viewing You didn't want to pay for no, the no, tickets? No, uh, no, it's, uh, I still went to Vegas for a day job. Yeah. And I manned the booth. So I was a booth babe, not so much of a babe. And uh, I had to work until 6, and the game started at 5 because it's a time zone. So I missed the first period. And by the time that I wanted to get the tickets, it was like 600 bucks for a nosebleed for two periods. So, so Vegas played against the Panthers. Vegas played against the Panthers, yes. We are rooting for Vegas. They're up 2-1 in the series. We want Bruce to stick it to the Bruins. And you say we, it's you, because I don't care. Well, I say we, I mean me, Felger, and Mass. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that's kind of, well, I think a, a lot of people in Boston want to see Bruce stick it to the Bruins, just considering that all, all, all the things that happened there. And yes, I had fun in Vegas, even though I don't like Vegas, because wherever I go, there is fun. So I take the fun with me. So we were away. Our kids were home by themselves. I mean, there was a nanny that came and spent the night with them, but they are already teenagers. They can handle most of the day. And when I'm sitting having breakfast in my hotel room, it's 8.30, and I'm seeing Oak Hill Middle School calling me. I'm like, oh my God, what did Omri do? Yes. And <laughs> then I'm getting this call and they tell me, hello, Miss Asher Dutton, everything is okay. And I was like, when they're calling, it's like never okay. Yep. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, let, let's see what it is. So they're telling me, well, Omri this morning got into this fight. Um, he put his bag during uh, the, the morning time on a chair. He went to bring something. The kid dropped the bag, sat on the chair. Omri, Omri got uh, upset and shoved the kid a little bit. And the kid got upset, slept Omri, and Omri got a nosebleed, got a nosebleed. And both kids got into three hours detention and in the school principal's room for not being able to resolve this conflict without escalating into a nosebleed. Yes. And I thought, okay, that sounds like they took the right action. I was yep. like thanking the vice principal for calling me and letting and me know. And having another one of our kids in detention again. 
Yeah, it's like they know the, 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 the middle school vice presidents know our kids, you. and they, they've seen nosebleeds from my kids already or from other kids. So I was like, okay, that's reasonable. I'm out of town. I'll be back tonight, and we're going to discuss it, and hopefully the kids can resolve it by themselves. And I'm later texting my son. I heard you were on detention, and he's like, the best day of my life. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, what did you do when you were on detention? So he's like, oh, they just let me get all the school day work done while sitting in detention on my Chromebook. So it took me 20 minutes to finish all the day worth of work. And then I had my Chromebook and I played video games for the rest of the day with my friends in Tel Aviv. And aren't the school Chromebooks supposed to be locked down? Yeah, so that's the thing. They're supposed to have these controls that they cannot do anything other than those applications that are approved by school. So I'm asking him, how come you could play? And he's like, oh, I actually found a way and I have a business now. So yes. <laughs> he came in and, and last night he told us, let me tell you about my business. And I said, let's make sure that the feds don't knock down our door because his business ideas could be very, very dangerous. Yeah, they, they always sound a little bit, a bit dodgy, sometimes even very dodgy. Very, very dodgy. So we disapproved most of his business ideas. So he said, listen, so oh, I, I played on my Chromebook while being at school. That was because I found a way to get access to video games, even though they're blocked. So we were like, bring your Chromebook. We need to see it now. Mm -hmm. And he opens it up and show us how through a legit app, math a legit, app. A legit math plugin, a legit Chromebook extension for math, they have developer mode set up. And when you go to developer mode, you, you can, can authenticate you can, to your you, you GitHub can, or to your Microsoft account. Exactly. And those, and, open, and those open like a side browser. And because they open a side browser, the side browser, browser is not locked down. And the side browser let him connect with his Microsoft account that has all his Microsoft Xbox games, games and everything. And he connected with his friends in Tel Aviv. It was evening for them and he played. Apparently, he already showed this hack to a couple of friends. Each friend, he charged them $5 for showing them yes. this thing. So we told him, Amri, you have a great idea. You need to go and report it to Google and get on the bug bounty because I checked online. And it's $10,000, up to $10,000 for a bug of an ability report. So he's on his way. I hope somebody from Google listened to that and this is resolved. But I'm getting our sons on bug bounties. I think it's better than him charging his friend $5 for those vulnerabilities. Yes. And people don't know, understand that when you discover real security vulnerabilities, first, you probably morally want to report it to the vendor. Sure. People, people don't understand that they should. And and it's not somebody, when Amit was here on the program a while back. Amit Serpa, yeah. He was talking about reversing and people doing the assembly level. Sometimes people think of all this hacking stuff as like something that is very complicated. A lot of times it's just randomly clicking on buttons 
and finding uh, out and finding that out it leads to something exactly. that you're not supposed to do. Exactly. It's just randomly clicking on buttons because people that build software are also people and they have mistakes. And when we talk about mistakes, this is the, our main theme for the podcast today. The mistakes and evidence base and how you do research and how you need to learn. So speaking about schools, I listened this week, as I do every day, to the daily podcast, the New York Times Daily. They had an episode that blew my mind off. I've been complaining about the U.S. education system for a while and the curriculum around Yes. Mostly around STEM and math, which makes zero sense to me. I didn't think much about reading. Go let's check pause this. About, let's start with the, the math part. It's very similar to this thing about reading. Because but, uh, the math part, when somebody says in geometry, yeah, that's your opinion. This is, could be a discussion. I said, no, 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 no. There's no discussion about math. There is a wrong and a right. There's, and the, the, the idea in STEM to have not a wrong and a right already kind of made both of us agree that Buffled. <laughs> there is angry. only one answer in math and and this is the right one it's not about discussion and estimation math is not about estimation tv and latel show will return in a moment the dd and latel show is sponsored by ort in today's world identities are the perimeter protecting the organization and are the most exploited vector by attackers if your security teams are struggling to maintain control of identity management tools, ORT can help. ORT offers a centralized platform for discovering, monitoring, assessing, and remediating identity threats to your business. While most security platforms can take weeks or months to start identifying and remediating risks, with ORT, your security teams can get started in as little as 30 minutes and start securing the identity perimeter immediately. ORT will surface the most critical vulnerabilities and give your security teams the recommended action steps. Start your trial today at ORT.io. That's O-O-R-T dot I-O. The DD and Letal Show is sponsored by Hunters. Hunters is a SaaS platform purpose-built for security operation teams. Providing unlimited data ingestion and normalization at a predictable cost, Hunters helps SOC teams mitigate real threats faster and more reliably than SIM. Visit hunters.ai to learn more. So this topic is, and we want to talk about theories and thoughts and those kind of areas when you actually have science to back it up. And why yes. do people prefer to go to those softer areas and go with like romantic theories instead of relying on evidence. So let me pause for a second and, and tell you the story about how phonics was kicked out of a school systems across the US about two decades ago. And they brought in a romantic way of teaching kids reading. So there was one person that became really a big thought leader and she led this movement of, I think it's called balanced literacy. She, she was teaching kids to enjoy the joy of writing first and then moved into reading, saying that if you learn reading in a structured way of teaching phonics, for example, S-H is sh, A is like an ah. R, 
cat, hat, all those things that we learned as kids. This is how we learn how to read and write. It's been for years the way. She was like more romanticizing it. A kid should look at the book. He should see pictures. a page with pictures in yellow and then see the word yellow and associate the word with the thing he sees in the picture. And she completely dissociated reading from phonics, from speaking, which is the thing that for years kind of like was the basics. And across the world, this is the basic of teaching how to read and write. And it's evident that this is for generation, how everybody read and learned to read. This is also um, how writing evolved, because originally we had calligraphy, which is the word, the a sign per word. And then it devolved from the calligraphy or from hieroglyphics where you had the picture for the word into a more symbols and symbol, more phonetic symbols way. for how the word is said. Yeah, exactly. So like you don't need to recognize the way yellow it appears. You just break it out to the syllables. So this for two decades in the US across most of states, this was the prevailing thought and kids were taught that way results were devastating, especially among kids that have some learning disability, dyslexia. Dyslectic kids cannot see the word. They need to sound it. They need the phonics. And what happened is that parents of kids with dyslexia, we have a kid with dyslexia, needed to go outside of public school to get additional reading support, some of it very expensive, to teach the kids what the basics, phonics. And school were telling them, yeah, it's, it's a minor issue. Most kids are okay. Only recently with functional MRI. functional MRI that a lot of research has been done on how we learn and what happens in our brain, they started actually gathering evidence that talking and reading leverages the same area in our brain, the same functional area leads up when we do it. We start talking when we are around the age of one. And by the time we learn to read and write around kindergarten age, we kind of already are very proficient in speaking. Our brain understands it. And then we're very ready to codify the phonics into letters and, and into syllables and, and just dissociating it completely runs a neurocircuits completely yep. in the wrong way. So some kids can handle like, but many don't. And it drives me nuts that he took such a long time to actually gather evidence. And only now that the episode just talks about now the biggest school districts in the US, New York, rolling it out and saying it's not allowed to go that way and, and not teach phonics. And the results are devastating. Like generations falling have fallen behind. Yes. And, I mean, and if I could, way. I would sue. Like, I think it's, it's negligence. It's pure negligence. And what drives me nuts is that there's so many areas of our lives when we are like giving romanticized ideas, it happens in medicine. People yes. will go and I'll give you an trust all kinds of gurus instead I'll of... I'll give you an example. Yeah. So when we talk about 
viri. So in the traditional sense, virus. multiple viruses. Yes. The, the multiple, uh, the plural of virus is, is viri. Is yes. viri. Go ahead. You can say in viruses in, in technology space, in medicine, it's viri. When you talk about viri, most people that are, even in the science space, it's re really hard to say that viruses and viri cause diseases. You say, what, 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 what? The basic evidence. Didn't we just go through a pandemic? Or not? Exactly. What do you mean? Exactly. So when you talk about this, you'll see that there's what is called Cox postulates. There was a guy called Cox that came along with Pasteur. When you're talking about how bacteria cause disease, you isolate a bacteria from an animal or from a person. You infect an animal. You see that the, the same disease develops, and you need to re-isolate the bacteria from the animal. You can also then uh, kill it through heat yeah, and yeah. infect with this and show that the disease is not happening. Exactly. And that's another way to prove that exactly. there is a living... It's not, it's not something else that caused the disease. It's not an environmental factor, but exactly. it is the living creature. Exactly. So yeah. that that is the essence of how disease diagnosis happened and all until the 80s. The first time that this was being questioned was AIDS because the AIDS virus is HIV, human immune virus. It cannot infect anything besides humans. It also infects only cells of the immune system yeah. and it was hard to put them on tissue cultures. And, exactly. And so that, But, that's a complex topic. And, and, and the topic of viri causing diseases is something that is in the continuous conversation in medicine. But as you said, people love the romantic idea of how cock showed that diseases evolve. They said, no, 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 viri cannot be the cause of disease. And these, these are people working in STEM, not in education, where you can say, hey, people that, you know, teach literacy, you know, read. Because when I was hearing you and Ron talking about Shakespeare, was the, the Romeo and Juliet was basically probably the least romantic conversation I've heard in a very long while. So science people talking about, about romance is not, and I can understand how people that, whose job is to deal with romance like romantic ideas, but even people in science like they are married to an hypothesis and they're very like, uh, this is where producer Dave is the best person to know about social references. Who's the guy that said, don't confuse me with the facts. Don't ruin a good story with the facts. Mm, Ronald Reagan? Ronald Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Not do, sure, but is, sounds Do good. you know the answer? Or do you want me to pick it up? I do not know, okay. but we can pick it up. Uh, but, but that's the whole idea. Th this has been a known meme in human society of don't, don't, don't ruin a good story with the yeah, facts. Yeah, people like this idea that kids can sit and flip the pictures and look at pictures. Uh, and, do we and, have the same in, in, in our industry in security before we jump to our industry which we, has a lot of that i do want to, to think of how us humans think about it as uh, as yes N mark, mark, twain, mark twain apparently never let the truth get in the way of a good story absolutely yes. I, i i agree i mean we love stories so yes And, and the and reality even, is not as attractive. It's not as attractive. It's and not even sexy. if you and even if you go back to your example of phonetics, just take a look at where the education system is in terms of literacy. See where where it was introduced. See the decline 
numerically. Yeah. You didn't even need the fMRI. You, didn't you should have looked at... It's just looking at the numbers. The test results and how U.S. results decline with no real reason yes, other than... I, actually, they should, the they, should, they should have risen because all the rest of the world numbers have risen because computers have made literacy such a mandatory aspect. People have to read to interact with computers. And every place in the world, for example, a little... piece of chaos in the Middle East, you see literacy numbers are going up because when you, people want to interact with a computer, they have to learn how to read. And now computers are a lot more abundant. You'd expect that literacy would go up, but it actually is going down. So that should have taught everybody that, looks, that knows how to look at numbers and evidence, say, something is wrong. But no, uh, there's a nice romantic story. So they like to stick with that. So, yeah, and, 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 and once the methodology becomes a golden standard, it's so hard to rip it off and change it. Yeah. It's painful. Like, think about the cost of now retraining thousands, tens of thousands of teachers and teaching a new methodology, changing all the books and classes, the software they're using. It's a lot. Yeah. It's, a, it, it's costly. Yes. Uh, we, we talked about the cost of... Shifting and, and pivoting, and, and, and those are very, very big systems with yep. like people yep. that don't like change. This is what they do. It's also heartbreaking to go to an educator that oh, the, the main incentive for them to come to work is not the money they make, but actually teaching the, those kids to read and write to, to find out that the methodology that they've been using is not effective. As, it's not and now only effective. It's proven it's, to cause damage. It's to, detrimental. Detrimental to many that cannot read and write yeah. if they don't learn the yeah. phonics way. So, yeah. So let, let's connect it because we are already way in, into this episode. So in our space, Let, we, in have our space we have a lot of that, right? Detrimental beliefs. So first... People don't, let's start with the, the, the more problematic part. People don't build the skills of data and evidence collection. I'll give you an, a positive example from our industry, and I'll give you a whole bunch of negative examples from our industry. Positive in, example is, at least that's what they claim, Netflix do automatic releases and care about only one thing, viewership. They don't try to track bugs. They don't try to track anything about a failure of a release. They care about viewership. Viewership number goes down. They roll back. The episode goes. The, 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 the series is killed. The series yeah. is killed. Yeah. The, 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 not just the series. The release, for example, when they release versions of their apps, their things, if they see even a minor decline, they just roll things back. They don't care If, what is the cause? Is it the bug? Is it the performance problem? They, they, they don't care. They just roll it back because what they care is viewership. Mm -hmm. They have key performance indicators. If those change, they don't care why the, re why the release was broken. Okay. Uh, in our space, uh, in security, there's been... So people have this jump into how to build a security program without... actually building a program that is metrics-based. They say, yeah, 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 we want these tools. We love these tools. The tools are awesome. The best example is the SIM. The SIM were born, those of us that are ancient and have been here for a million, billion years. Remember that the reason the SIMs were invented is because firewalls created tons of logs. 
and the knock people didn't want the sock people futzing around with their firewalls. So they said, hey, yeah, we'll ship the logs to you and you deal with the problems on your side. So something was created to deal with an organizational structure that was built in a certain way and with people that didn't want people futzing around with their space. So this is how ArcSight and Envision and all those tools back started. started. And Splunk was basically a tool that was built to collect, when, to collect logs. From once also regulation started coming up, there was a need to, to have like big repository of yeah. storage. So yeah, and, and, no, and, and nobody's asking themselves because everything is built around log collection. So those tools are built around log collections, log, logs, logs. Nobody's asking themselves, is this the right model to deal with this? Because now everything is API based, everything is cloud based, everything collects. Are logs still relevant? Are the logs and the structure of logs and the, the deal with log systems versus databases are very different. If you're t talking with systems that talk through APIs, API to API versus a log would be more efficient. And a database like a, like a Snowflake, like a Databricks, you can ask them questions in a more precise way rather than a soft way of, let me give you an open search question. People are not thinking about the structure. Should they so, leverage the structure? So uh, had you started with the KPI first, how, yes. what would you do different? So I would start with what are my KPIs for, how do I track attacks? What are the KPIs? I can give you an example from how would I manage an identity program? By the way, a shameless plug to ourselves, Mike is, releasing a manual that we believe in how what are the metrics for an identity program but the same thing can happen to a security program you should track how many devices like for example from your mdm how many devices are unpatched and what's the gap there how many how many attacks do you see on a specific endpoint on your network how many of these indicators are there and that can tell you if your security program is run correctly from an identity perspective, it would be how many users, how long does it take you from the minute somebody was fired until they're kicked out of the system? How, how many times do you allow for false passwords? How many times do you allow, for example, the MITRE attack does like a hand wave of, of a five of how many false MFAs before you decide that this is an attack? Okay. And it, rather than to say, you know what, in this industry, it happens more because, let's say, doctors don't know how to click the, the MFA button correctly versus teachers that may do. I'm just throwing these numbers. There's no numbers that were built into the MITRE attack from actual evidence in the field that this is... They know how an attack looks like, but they don't know when it's KPI-based how to measure the metrics because nobody's running these studies. And so when, similar to how you would want to have benchmarks for what a kid in first grade, second grade, third grade should know to, how to do. Exactly. You want to have those KPIs for yourself. Yes. Of You want to be able to kick off somebody from the network X amount of hours after you see some sort of a behavior yes. that could be malicious and yes. things like that. And by the way, plugging in, that was a very good session. I've been with, I've been at, at Gartner Security Summit. It was around those KPIs and benchmark. And they talked about, it was really interesting, not releasing a document that will talk about it because they said, it's very unique to where you are at. 
and they wanted to encourage all the customers to talk to them about building their own KPIs. They have a framework of like 25 or 30 areas and they have really good ideas and they have some example of benchmarks of companies that did it with them, but they said, and that was really interested, we're not gonna release this benchmark because we don't want you, Mr. Customer, to take and just say, okay, I'm gonna align myself with this and this. They'd rather you stop and think about it and talk with somebody. Obviously, they will get money for the consultancy, so uh, they, they, it's they a have, business they have the reasons, model. But, they actually, but it makes sense, right? It does. Uh, because in an ideal world, at least if school was a little bit more tailored made, at, at least they would give those phonics services to the kids that really could only learn with phonics instead yes. of the parents doing it by themselves in after school. So, so it's a similar thing. What a small tech shop needs and what they can achieve, very different from a big retailer, very, very different than the situation of a manufacturing facility yep. and so on. So it, it, I, I found it interesting that even though they really build a business around publishing, publishing stuff and people consuming it, they actually wanted people to engage. And I don't think it's, a, it, it's an additional fee for those that already pay the outrageous amount of money to Gartner. So if you are a customer, check it out. It was really interesting and good session. I, I think evidence base is interesting. Do you think pen testing, simulating attacks is a good way to get into this evidence-based security, showing that you can see some sort of attack that are being simulated no, or not. No. Why, why it, it, it's- No, pen testing is, I, I think is super valuable and probably one of the most important parts. It, it, this is like a little bit of running 5Ks like we did, and we'll talk about it some t at another point in time. It's like running a 5K occasionally to, to, tech, to check that you're what's your speed what's, what's your, your speed what, what's your pace that you're up to speed that you're in a good place a pen test is a, but the pen test is a complement to evidence-based evidence-based starts with a, a hypothesis a way to test the hypothesis and continuously evaluate the hypothesis and this is what evidence-based means so if you going through the the gartner idea of saying i want to decide that i want to protect a certain part of my world and I want to build and I believe that these numbers show me how protected I am the pen test shows you if you're right or wrong because if your numbers are going up and the pen test is taking your pants off then you're using the wrong numbers but you first need to develop the numbers to assess are you getting safer or less safe does that make sense it does I would say that it, it it's hard because yeah, you might be improving and let's, let's talk about patching. For example, yep. you may have want to take your patching time down from, I don't know, 30 days to 15 days from a vulnerability being exposed, published until it takes you. It's a big improvement and it's a big effort. It doesn't really mean that now that you're done from 30 to 15, you're not going to be hacked because damn you would. Well, we all know. Here's why uh, the is it sufficient? Is... Yes. 
I, I do think pen testing is important. I do think reduction of the time to patch vulnerabilities is important. I think at the end of the day, we also need to know that there is no 100% improvement. There is no yep. kind of like, yeah, you can improve your 5K goals. You're not going to be... I don't know, you send Bolt. Send Bolt uh, runs a uh, hundred meter. Uh, uh, correct. But I'm sure he beats you in 5K as well. I don't know. Me, maybe. Oh, oh yeah, oh. I saw him doing a peloton thing. He beats you. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 Like Probably. He's also a couple of years younger. That's not the reason that he beats you. <laughs> <laughs> but that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You can say The Nile is not just a river in Egypt. Absolutely. Other thoughts about evidence-based insecurity? Yes. Evidence-based insecurity is we need to build a methodology that shows a correlation between numbers and vulnerabilities. And we don't have these enough in, co in the conversation. Like, again, I'm going to shamelessly plug and thank Mike for like his state of identity report that he did. And we are not doing enough of this. So I think Code 42 did something like this or Unit uh, Unit 42, something like from whatever Palo Alto. Palo Alto. Okay, research, the Palo Alto research. research kind of, we're, we're showing how attacks, the, the numeric things of here are how many attacks have happened. Here was the methodology of them. We are not doing enough of this to publish of, because if more of the work would be done to show how many how many attacks are there and how are their trends looking like, then we can develop the right KPIs to, sh to measure are we built to defend against those attacks and then the programs that would be built would be measuring, okay, like you said, is taking down patching time by 50 percent. Somebody says I want to reduce my patch time by fifty percent. It used to be that it, you took two years to patch. Now you patch over a year. That's a significant improvement. But if you patch every, like for example, in our system, it takes us about three minutes to patch. If taking it from three minutes to patch to a minute and a half, does it makes a difference? Does it, does anybody care? Yeah. So this is where the 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 numbers actually matter based on the vectors of attack, because if how prevalent they are, how relevant are they to and should you still continue to make? Because a lot of times the last mile is the hardest mile, so sometimes they be able to release on a weekly basis, releasing on a daily basis, moving from like releasing every six months to release every year, every week, is the big thing. Now releasing from every week to every hour becomes very problematic. Mm -hmm. Should you even waste your time doing this? Or should you now focus on other areas? And that's where evidence base needs to come. How attacks are coming in, what are the numbers, what's the prevalence, and then associate this with the metrics that you're doing to fix. Got it. That's at least my view. Anyways, I think we talked people's ears off. I think it's it, a lot for today. It's a lot for today. We hope you enjoyed the Didi and Lital show. If you like us, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. Share with your friends. If you want to be on the show, please write to Lital or Didi. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye.